for Friday, December 10th. It's the early word from the WNYC Newsroom. Hi there, I'm Isaac Davey Aronson with a look at this morning's top news, the day ahead, and reporting highlights from the WNYC News team. Coming up, as New York City's OTB parlors shut down for good, Ilya Meritz checks in with one in its waning days, plus a museum you can smell. We start with this morning's top headlines just ahead. The Early Word is a production of WNYC Radio. You can support this podcast by making a donation at WNYC.org, where you can also get the latest updates on this morning's headlines on the news page. Senate Republicans have blocked a push by Democrats to overturn the military's ban on openly gay troops. The Senate's 57-40 to 40 vote on a larger defense bill that included the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell fell three short of the 60 needed to advance. President Obama is urging the chamber to revisit the issue before the end of the lame duck session this month, and the sole Republican senator to vote in favor of repeal is backing a standalone measure to lift the ban. But its prospects are unclear, especially because it would need to pass the House as well. Meanwhile, a test vote is set for Monday in the Senate on a tax cut proposal to avert a January 1st spike in income taxes for most Americans. Key lawmakers have agreed to extend tax breaks for ethanol and other forms of alternative energy as part of the deal. House Democrats, though, yesterday voted in a caucus meeting to reject the agreement reached between the White House and the GOP, which extends Bush-era tax breaks for the wealthiest Americans. Staying on Capitol Hill, two bills that New Yorkers have been watching closely are in limbo. The Senate failed to act on the James Zadroga 9-11 Health and Compensation Bill after Republicans blocked it from getting to the Senate floor. The measure fell three votes short of the 60 needed to advance. New York Senator Chuck Schumer says it's not the end of the road for the $7 billion package, which would provide health care and compensation for those who were sickened at ground zero. Supporters will try to attach the bill to President Obama's tax cut extension. We're going to keep trying and trying and trying. We can't gloss it over. There was no reason for 42 senators to vote no. Meanwhile, Senate Democrats decided to delay action on the immigrant-friendly DREAM Act in order to avoid a Republican filibuster. WNYC's Marianne McCune reports many of New York's young immigrants are watching the bill's progress with great anxiety. The bill would allow young immigrants whose parents brought them here illegally the chance to become citizens after 10 years, provided they spend at least two in college or the military. City College freshman Olga Reyes spends half of each day studying, the other half selling street food with her mom so they can pay tuition. She wants to become a lawyer, and she says the DREAM Act gives her hope. But when the bill stumbles, she sometimes wonders why she's trying so hard if she's never going to work legally. When you get really, really tired and really depressed, that's the first thing that comes to your head. I'm going to just give up on everything and forget about everything. The House version of the DREAM Act passed earlier this week. The Senate Majority Leader says he plans to bring that version to the Senate floor before the lame duck session ends. For WNYC, I'm Marianne McCune. Even though the Zadroga bill and the DREAM Act technically haven't died, there's only a slim chance they'll pass, according to Devlin Barrett, who covers Congress for The Wall Street Journal. He says the rest of the country just doesn't feel as strongly about these bills as New Yorkers do. The Zadroga bill was a visceral issue for a lot of New Yorkers, and it's just not for many other people in the country. And with the DREAM Act, New Yorkers tend to have a very different view of immigration than many other parts of the country. You can learn more about both the Zadroga bill and the DREAM Act at our website, WNYC.org. 
And turning briefly to politics overseas, a controversial hike in university fees has triggered Britain's worst political violence in years. Student protesters vandalized buildings and battled riot police in Parliament Square and even attacked a car carrying Prince Charles and his wife Camilla, who were on their way to the theater in London's busy West End. The royal couple were not hurt. In New York, the state has identified 21 more New York City schools as persistently low-achieving, two of which are already set for gradual closure. Schools on this watch list can qualify for federal improvement funds. Eleven low-performing high schools are already getting the funds to improve by extending their school day and bringing in more programs. With the additional schools, there are now a total of more than 40 that can qualify for the federal funds. To get the money, the city has to submit an application with improvement plans. It can opt to replace their principals or for a more severe intervention in which half the teachers would be replaced. WNYC is following the progress of some of the schools that already got federal funds. Check the Big Fix series at WNYC.org. Meanwhile, there's word that the city's controversial incoming schools chancellor, Kathy Black, may not have been Mayor Bloomberg's first choice for the job. The New York Times reports that the mayor first asked his friend, Harlem Children's Zone founder Jeffrey Canada, who turned it down. The Times cites two anonymous people with direct knowledge of the discussions and says Canada did not dispute the suggestion when asked. Bloomberg has been harshly criticized for appointing Kathy Black, who has no education experience. Canada's network of Harlem charter schools are seen as a model by education reformers in New York and in Washington. While the rest of the country has culture wars, New York City has bike lane wars. Transportation Commissioner Jeanette Sadiq Khan was grilled by city lawmakers for almost two hours during a hearing about bike lanes. They accused her of expanding the bike lane network without getting sufficient public input. Here's Brooklyn Councilman Lou Fiddler. you got to go back to communities and ask them again. That's what we do. Before you spend the money. That's what we do. Before you do this. That's what we no, do, no, Council no. Member. So the- I'm asking that it be institutionalized. Sadiq Khan says community boards are consulted before, during, and after each new bike lane gets installed. She says the city must do more to crack down on rogue riders. But she says the bike lane expansion has been wildly successful, increasing bicycle commuting by over 100 percent since 2006. At another city council hearing, there was outrage that some families in a homelessness prevention study are being denied services. 400 families were enrolled in the experiment this summer. Half are receiving the city's service called Home Base. The other half were put in a control group that's not. The city says all the families signed consent forms, but Brooklyn Council member Stephen Levin challenged Dr. Howard Ralston, who helped design the study. It was voluntary, yeah, but you wouldn't receive home base services if you didn't sign it, so of course you're going to sign it. Well, you may or may not choose to sign it. You may choose to get services elsewhere. The city says it's trying to determine whether the program targets the right people and says members of the control group were given a list of other services that help the poor. The program offers rental assistance, mediates disputes with landlords, and helps clients sign up for food stamps and other benefits. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has reached a deal with legislative leaders to cap pay raises for all the state's police officers and firefighters. As WNYC's Bob Henley reports, the deal brings the relief that cash-strapped municipalities were seeking. Under state law, police and firefighters are prohibited from striking, but they do have the protection of binding arbitration. Local governments complained that even as the economy stalled, arbitration awards exceeded the rate of inflation and in turn pushed up local property taxes. Now under the bargain between Governor Christie, Democratic Senate President Steve Sweeney, and Assembly Speaker Sheila Oliver, police and firefighters will be held to a 2% cap on any salary boost for the next three years. The reform measure also caps arbitrator pay at $1,000 a day. The entire legislature must approve the deal. 
Still unresolved is the issue of the state's public pension system, which is underfunded by tens of billions of dollars. For WNYC, I'm Bob Henley. Taking a look at today's calendar, it's International Human Rights Day, the 62nd anniversary of the signing of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights at the United Nations. It's also the day the Nobel Peace Prize is awarded, and for the first time in over 70 years, neither the recipient nor a member of his family will be present at the ceremony in Oslo. An empty chair will mark the absence of Liu Jiabao, the jailed Chinese pro-democracy activist whose family is under house arrest. In New York, Democratic Representatives Carolyn Maloney and Gerald Nadler hold a press conference in front of Seven World Trade Center to demand that Senate Republicans stop obstructing passage of the 9-11 health bill, which has already passed the House. Maloney is urging senators to attach it to the tax cut compromise legislation being pushed by President Obama. And speaking of President Obama and compromises with Republicans, Obama is having former President Bill Clinton over the White House this afternoon. I suppose because sometimes you just need to talk to someone who really feels your pain. Just a few of the things happening this Friday. There's no longer a place to bet legally on horses in New York, unless you go to Aqueduct Racetrack. About 60 betting parlors closed this week after state lawmakers failed to pass a rescue plan for the city's financially troubled off-track betting corporation. WNYC's Ilya Meritz brings us this look at one of the last parlors still operating. The TVs that usually show horse races are dark at the 7th Avenue branch of OTB, and only a few windows are open to customers. They're not taking bets here anymore, just cashing out accounts. Matt Lopez chatted with a branch manager on the sidewalk outside after collecting the last $30 he was owed. It was basically a small voucher for leftover balance and basically some scratches. Uh, you know the scratches? That's betting parlor talk. When you bet a horse and they withdraw him from the race, before the race is run, you're entitled to a refund. Lopez and thousands of other customers are being paid the money they're owed in full. But NYC OTB's bigger creditors aren't so lucky. They'll lose tens of millions of dollars, and over a 1,000 workers are losing their jobs. Matt Lopez says it makes no sense to him. Monday night, this branch closes for good. For WNYC, I'm Ilya Meritz. One last thing before we go. Museum goers will soon be able to smell the next great masterpiece. New York's Museum of Arts and Design has launched the Center of Olfactory Art. It's dedicated to exploring scent as an art form. Chandler Burr is the former fragrance critic of the New York Times. He's been hired as the museum's curator of olfactory art. He says that fragrance can be judged as an art form using the same standards we use to judge visual art, architecture, and film. Some of them are cheap and terrible and very badly done. And some of them are exquisite and beautifully executed, astonishing, and in every way, the aesthetic, stylistic equals of the great films and paintings and sculptures and buildings. The center is planning its first exhibition for November of next year. It will feature buttons on the walls that will release scents to museum patrons, and it will be called The Art of Scent, 1889 to 2011. We made We'll wrap up with the Gig Alerts, our look at tonight's music scene. The alt-country band Old 97s performs tonight at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Frontman Rhett Miller wrote most of the songs on the band's latest album, The Grand Theater Volume 1, with singer-songwriter Steve Earle. Here's the album's title track. 
To download this song for free, head to our culture page. Just click on culture at wnyc.org. And you can learn more about all the stories you heard here, download more podcasts, and go in-depth with our reporters on the news blog. It's all at our website, wnyc.org. You can hear us there 24 hours a day, as well as on the air at 93.9 FM and AM820. The Early Word is production of the WNYC Newsroom, where the managing editor is Karen Frillman, the executive producer is Giselle Regatau, the news editor is Julianne Welby, the economics editor is Charlie Herman, our arts and culture maven is Abby Fentress Swanson, engineering by Paul Schneider and Wayne Schulmeister. WNYC's senior executive producer for news is John Keefe. The Early Word is produced by me. From the WNYC Newsroom, I'm Isaac Davy Aronson. Have a great day and a great weekend.